and welcome back to the home, the haven, the stronghold, and the everlasting super fortress of intelligent black thought. We are the black media, and this is the black channel, and I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the voice of black America, the black authority broadcasting to you live from the only historically black college and university of higher education and learning in the cosmos. You are, of course, welcome to join us. And join us, you shall, because on tonight's program here, you know, I was going to take the program in one direction, although I'm after some investigation and some further delving into it. We may wind up going in a slightly different direction from what you might have um, expected here. For those of you who are not aware, there was a couple of stories that happened this week, and there's been a lot of stories about this week. But one in particular I want to get to here because because is being given all the trappings of a familiar narrative, and that's when your ears need to start going up, especially when there are people that you don't know, people you don't know, people you've never seen, and then all of a sudden the media is gathering around them. That's when your ears should start going up here. So in Tennessee, for those of you who may or may not have heard, um, the Tennessee legislature has expelled two members from the House of Representatives. So absolutely echoes Jim Crow, absolutely echoes the Jim Crow to it, no doubt about it. Um, but before you take to the streets and start marching and protesting, I just thought we should know exactly what, or more to the point, who marching and protesting for. So in case you're not familiar with them, there are actually three people. I'm going to focus on two of them here tonight. There are actually three people who are involved. Uh, three people that I had to do with here who were Tennessee legislators. And now you got folks trying to christen them the Tennessee Three, which is really kind of disgusting when you think about it there, but all right. And what they're doing is saying, okay, we need to rally around these folks. Well, that's all cute and everything. Don't get me wrong. That's cute. But I'm wondering what your motives are. Now, if you hadn't seen them, I'll go ahead and throw them up on your screen right now so you can see the three lawmakers uh, in particular here. There are the three of them there. Those are the three who, in the wake of the recent mass shooting in Nashville by a uh, transsexual, a transsexual went on a rampage of the church because transsexual and the church doesn't agree with transsexuality and the transsexual said, well, you know what, have gun will travel straight to your church. So transsexuality. All right. In any case, these three lawmakers took to the House floor to say the issue is guns, not transsexuals, not killers, guns. And put on a bit of a show about it. They brought a bunch of teenagers, I think, on the House floor. So we're going to disrupt the entire legislative session down there and, and, and pose for the cameras and things. And that's what they did. So the House legislature voted to expel them. They successfully voted to expel the two black representatives. The white female, she was spared by one vote. So they were very clearly sending a message to her. They were very clearly sending a message to her that just by a razor's edge, we could have got you out of here, but there's levels to that. So that was what was going on there. That was what happened there. Now, 
you haven't heard a whole lot about this in my function as the black media here. I take care of the details of things that otherwise you wouldn't be able to, and that's perfectly fine. So I saw this as an opportunity to check and see what are they really talking about. And I just couldn't help but notice there seems to be a lot of showmanship. When I start seeing a bunch of ostentatious, look it up. When I start seeing a bunch of showy individuals, that's when my ears start going up, especially when you're brought to prominence very, very quickly. I start asking questions. And these are good questions to ask. Now, if you were unaware, and you probably are, they were on Meet the Press earlier today. They were on Meet the Press. And lo and behold, I tuned in because I wanted to hear what they had to say, obviously. Seems rather newsworthy. I'll check it out for myself. And when I tuned in, I got to tell you, it didn't take very long. Didn't take very long to start hearing some things. This is just today. Make your ears go up. Jason, what did you hear? I'll let you listen for yourselves. Fair use, NBC. Fair use. Um, both at the county level and in a special election and going forward there are um, through our legal processes. Justin Pearson, have you talked to any of your colleagues or now former colleagues uh, since this vote? Uh, have any of them explained why you were ousted and Gloria Johnson was not? Yep, it's Justin J. Pearson. And no, I haven't talked to our former colleagues. But I have to tell you, uh, the reality is an institution filled with people who are more concerned about supporting the NRA and supporting the Second Amendment than it is protecting the First Amendment rights of children and teenagers to be able to come to the Capitol and advocate for gun violence prevention laws uh, is not the type of legislature that we deserve and need to have in the state of Tennessee. The reality is Cameron Sexton, the Speaker of the House, called those children and teenagers insurrectionists. And it's that type of language, it's that type of political ideology that is destructive to our democracy. And what ends up happening is the perpetuation of systems of injustice, like patriarchy, like white supremacy, that lead to the expulsion of two of the youngest black lawmakers. Oh, man. Did you catch that? So I can be bothered to follow these things and... I can be bothered to read it and listen in and actually hear the whole interview. But by the way, did you catch that one? That is systems of patriarchy and white supremacy. Do you notice what he put at the forefront? So you know what this means, LGBT. That's what this means. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'll go ahead and say it. I don't know if he's come out of the closet or whatnot, but let me, I'll just go ahead and say that when you have a black politician who obviously is a victim of racism, but then they take that opportunity to redirect attention, not on racism, but to direct it towards, quote, patriarchy, what they're saying, they're letting you know they have a problem with black masculinity, and so they want to go ahead and make sure that you're aware that the problem is, I mean, yeah, I mean, racism out there, but let us not forget that it is white, it is patriarchy, that is the issue now. So, yeah, yeah, if you caught that one, it's not the only clip, by the way. There's several of them there, but I'll go ahead and replay that one more time. By the way, Chuck Todd is asking about, do you think that you were targeted by racism? Did you hear that? He asked him, do you think that 
Why is it that the white representative gets to stay and take a look at what his answer is to a question about racism being involved and look what his answer becomes? Action and going forward there are um, through our legal processes. Justin Pearson, have you talked to any of your colleagues or now former colleagues uh, since this vote? Uh, have any of them explained why you were ousted and Gloria Johnson was not? It's Justin J. Pearson, and no, I haven't talked to our former colleagues, but I have to tell you uh, the reality is an institution filled with people who are more concerned about supporting the NRA and supporting the Second Amendment than it is protecting the First Amendment rights of children and teenagers to be able to come to the Capitol and advocate for gun violence prevention laws uh, is not the type of legislature that we deserve and need to have in the state of Tennessee. The reality is Cameron Sexton, the Speaker of the House, called those children and teenagers insurrectionists. And it's that type of language, it's that type of political ideology that is destructive to our democracy. And what ends up happening is the perpetuation of systems of injustice, like patriarchy, like white supremacy, that lead to the expulsion of two of the youngest black lawmakers in Tennessee. Uh, okay, so basically we found out pretty quickly here what his agenda is and what he's concerned about. So didn't take very long to figure that out. So he's letting you know that's where we are. That's where they're at. The issue is patriarchy. That's what we need to be most concerned about is patriarchy. And you notice he puts patriarchy ahead of white supremacy. He puts it ahead of that. Let you know what his real concern is. Well, I got the cameras on me. I think I take this as an opportunity. By the way, we, we need to have concerns about this. We need to have concerns about this. And, you know, while, while we are discussing white supremacy, you need to be aware that, uh, that um, patriarchy is there. So that is what you have. Yeah, that kind of jumps out at you real quickly, doesn't it? Now, I would like to tell you that that was the only one. I would like to tell you that that was the only thing that was said like that. I'd like to say that to you, but that would be untrue. Because as the interview keeps going, uh, the other little fellow there, you're probably saying to yourself, well, maybe hopefully he doesn't say anything too ridiculous or too problematic. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, that's a little bit too much to hope for, though. The other little fella is the one most folks have seen about there. I think they represented Justin Jones. We're going to go a little bit in-depth about him here in just a few moments, but Representative Justin Jones was asked a question, and take a look at what direction he steers the answer in. Political uh, uh, lines here that have been drawn that we're going to show graphically oh. in a few minutes. But I want to get to uh, last few questions for both of you. Representative Jones, do you plan to accept a reappointment um, if, if it is indeed the case? And if not, do you plan to run in a special election to come back? Uh, yes and yes. Um, you know, we will continue to fight for our constituents. And one thing I just want to say, um, Chuck, is that um, this is attack against us is hurting all people in our state. So it's not, you know, even though it's disproportionately impacting black and brown. I'm going to let the whole clip play, but by the way, do you just catch it from the beginning? First thing is, this is impacting all the citizens of our state. Right now, it's just impacting two of you, sir, but all right, people, okay. 
Didn't take very long for that one to kick off for you, so all right. Thanks. But I want to get to uh, last few questions from both of you. Representative Jones, do you plan to accept a reappointment um, if, if it is indeed the case? And if not, do you plan to run in a special election to come back? Uh, yes and yes. Um, you know, we will continue to fight for our constituents. And one thing I just want to say, um, Chuck, is that um, this is attack against us is hurting all people in our state. So it's not, you know, even though it's disproportionately impacting black and brown communities, this is hurting poor white people. Their attack on democracy hurts all of us. And I just want to, I just want to emphasize that because I don't want it just to be about race, but this is about attack on black, brown, and poor white communities, silencing them. These lawmakers who are more beholden to the NRA than their own people in their own districts, people like Cameron Sexton. And Representative, I don't want to just, I don't want it to just be about race. Yeah. So by the way, if you if you talk to him, because I know you've all seen the pictures of them, but by the way, now that you're hearing them say to what their concerns are, even as they've been expelled from the legislature, by the way, you can hear what he's concerned about when he gets asked, well, is this a racial issue? First thing he does is say, let me make this clear, this ain't just about race. This is not just a racial issue. Now, Chuck, you trying to make this racial. The same thing the first fella did. He's he's patriarchy. Well, you know, we need to be concerned about black and brown and poor whites, as a matter of fact. You mean the poor whites who voted for all the legislators who just voted y'all out? You mean them? Those poor whites? Are you, are you, we need to look out for the poor whites who voted for the politicians who just voted you two bum out of office, really? They just voted you two out of the legislature? They just expelled you? We got to worry about the poor whites who just tossed you two jackalopes on the street. Okay, fine. Ace, and if not, do you plan to run in a special election to come back? Uh, yes and yes. Um, you know, we will continue to fight for our constituents. And one thing I just want to say, um, Chuck, is that um, this is attack against us is hurting all people in our state. So it's not, you know, even though it's disproportionately impacting black and brown communities, this is hurting poor white people. Their attack on democracy hurts all of us. And I just wanna, I just wanna emphasize that because I don't want it just to be about race, but this is about attack on black, brown and poor white communities, silencing them. These lawmakers who are more beholden to the NRA than their own people in their own districts, people like Cameron Sexton. And Representative Pearson, same question for you. I know the, the, uh, you may get reappointed, will you accept the appointment and, and do you plan on running in the special election? Yes, I would be honored to accept the appointment of the Shelby County Commission and to run in a special election. I'm sure you would. So, yeah, that that that's what they're concerned about. That's what they're concerned about. So, you know, just uh, Representative uh, Representative Justin Jones, not to be concerned, confused with Representative Justin Pearson, but. Representative Justin Jones, I'm very glad they're referring to him. Representative Justin Jones, I think that's very nice and very great there. Although before now, he was known as Representative Justin Batista Jones. Before now, that's how he was referred to here. So... For those of you who don't know your Filipino history, check it out. But uh, yeah, if you weren't aware of what he looked like when he was a activist just a few years ago, if you want to know what, why he, 
at the last minute here, apparently he decided to grow out some facial hair. So he's gotten the whole makeover. He's gotten the whole makeover. All right. Okay. Well, if, if you want a baby with good her, okay. <laughs> Representative Batista Jones has you covered. Jason, that don't mean very much right there. You don't know what you stand up for right there. You don't know nothing about that right there. That's the problem with you, you niggas coming up here from Louisiana, poking your nose and things, trying to make assertions. Yeah, maybe you're right. You don't know where he come from there, Jason. You don't know where. He did good works in the communities, and he has represented the black folks' interests the whole line. Matter of fact, I heard once that, well, now, now, isn't this interesting? December 2019. Oh. Four years ago. Well, three years ago and some change. Well, there, 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 there's Justin Jones and the Tennessee Star. And, well, he gets removed from a campaign stock for Michael Bloomberg in Nashville. I'll be damned. Now, you all remember we were giving Michael Bloomberg all kinds of hell. We are giving Michael Bloomberg all kinds of picks, and we ran him out of the presidential election. Well, uh, maybe, maybe Justin Jones was on the right side of things. Maybe we were in the wrong over here. Oh, I'm sorry. The picture's not up. Uh, there's Justin Jones in the Tennessean. There's Justin Jones there. 2019. And as you can see from the headline, well, he got removed for heckling Michael Bloomberg. Well, he's, he's doing God's work. Back in 2019, the young man had a better head on his shoulders, a better head on his shoulders, a better head. Wait a minute. Did you actually read the article to see why he was removed? Was he removed for standing up for black people? Why don't we check it out and see? 720 degrees, the analysis you will receive nowhere else from the Tennessee star, Chris Butler. Dateline Nashville, former New York mayor and Democratic presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg spoke in Nashville Thursday about taking down U.S. Republican President Donald Trump and implementing more gun control. Organizers, however, had to remove Nashville left-wing activist Justin Jones from the premises after he repeatedly heckled Bloomberg. At one point, the presidential candidate scolded Jones from the platform. In a speech at Woolworth on Fifth Avenue, Bloomberg said one of his top objectives was sending more Democratic politicians and, quote, people who are good on guns and the environment to Washington, D.C. and the state houses. Now, he says, Bloomberg said, I gave a speech to the Democratic Convention in 2016, and I said Donald Trump was a con man and he would not be the right person for president of the United States, and you should vote for Hillary, Bloomberg said. Unfortunately, not enough people listened to me, but what I said, sadly, was right on. We have an opportunity to make a change. We have to bring in new management. A few minutes into Bloomberg's speech, Jones, that would be this Jones, that would be this Jones, that would be this Jones. Take a pick of whichever incarnation you would like to have here. But as they get into the speech here, a few minutes into Bloomberg's speech, Jones repeatedly interrupted Bloomberg. Jones and people with him shouted, 
indecipherable comments and revolutions about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. People in the audience about 250 shouted Jones down and told him to shut up and let Bloomberg speak. Bloomberg called for a timeout not once but twice. I'll be happy to talk to you afterwards, Bloomberg said. But Jones wouldn't stop yelling. Just stop it, Bloomberg said. I'm doing more for the climate than you have even dreamed of. Organizers then escorted Jones out of the room and members of the audience applauded. Yes, when he had a chance to stand up there, he was supporting the Latina screamer from New York. That's what he was doing. This is four years ago. Well, three years and some change, going on four years ago. This is what he was doing. This is what he was concerned about. Yeah. When he was a, quote, activist, this is what he was an activist for. By the way, just thought I'd go ahead and point that out to you. Just in case you're not aware of his rep, just in case you're not aware of his pedigree. I'd like to tell you that that's all. I'd like to tell you that that's all, but um, actually that's not the case. That is not the case, because you see, when you have individuals like this say these kind of things, when you talk about black and brown coalitions, the first thing I start taking a look at is seeing about your black and brown coalitions and see if you have any support from your black and brown coalitions here, Mr. Batista Jones. MSN has the story here that you all saw on my Twitter. I am an immigrant. I am an immigrant. Tennessee Republican blast expelled Democrat for intimidation and racial slur. Sabi Kumar, an Indian American <clears throat> Asian. Can we talk about Asian on Asian hate? Oh, all right, fine. Never mind. Uh, Indian American Republican legislator in the Tennessee House of Representatives slammed his newly famous ex-colleague, Justin Jones. Uh, Justin Jones. Uh, Justin Jones. All right. He slammed Justin Jones for calling him a brown face of white supremacy. Shortly before the body voted to expel Jones for his role in leading a protest calling for gun control measures on the House floor. Jones, a Democrat, had emphasized his race throughout the proceedings, at one point accusing another Republican member of implying that he was an uppity Negro. In an emotional speech, the 75-year-old Kumar said that it was the first instance in his 53 years <coughs> since he immigrated to the United States that he had a slur directed towards him. Quote, I am an immigrant. Everybody knows. I have been in this country for 53 years, and when it was 50 years, you recognized me for that. It was a celebration in my mind and for my family. In those 53 years in America, I have never encountered a racial slur. Probably because you're on the giving end of them. All right. I'm really not aware that any of that applies to me. I live a good life. Yet you on tape call me a brown face. Yes, sir, it's on tape. Really, dude? Really? Uh, really there, Kumar? 
really, bro? Really, you're gonna try that one, really? He's really sitting there telling you to. Yeah, okay. They're in their own little dimension. You walked up to me. You had no business coming up to me. You were sitting a row or two ahead of me. You shoved your finger in my face and said, you shoved your finger in my face and said, Kumar, they will never accept you. You said it twice and you were so intimidating that the sergeant at arms without my invitation came and intervened between us. Sir, that is disappointing. Is he really trying to say that this little fellow who weighs about a buck oh three was intimidating? A strong breeze would pick him up and blow him across to Chattahoochee. But this Indian who would really qualify as white, this Indian who would actually really qualify as white, he would actually qualify as white, not brown. Y'all sit up here and try to draft these people into the minority sweepstakes. They, they are not brown people. If you know India's history with Britain, they see themselves as dark-skinned Britons. And you, Mr. Batista, tried to draft this fella here in, in, into the black and brown coalition and old boy said, man, you can take your brown and shove it up your curly head rump. Not gonna have it. Not gonna have it. So old boy just sent him back and it was very embarrassing. There's a lot to unpack there, Representative Kumar. I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I mean, it's sad what you just stated to me and that's what it really is about. He said, you see everything under the lens of race when you join this body. You should just become one of us. Just assimilate. That's very disappointing to hear, my friend. And what I told you was what you just exhibited as the only member of their caucus that's not of the Caucasian persuasion. I said that you put a brown face on white supremacy. That's what I said. Well, you're telling the truth. The problem is you kind of put a brown face on it, too sir when you start trying to feed people the delusion that it's about race and when you start doing things like that jason boy this is pretty damning information here oh don't worry i got more oh hell you got more this when they start sinking in their seats and i'll let you know that by the way oh i'm not done yet i have more i do because the more these folks talk the worse it gets, the more they talk, the worse it gets. No, it really is like that. The more they talk, the worse that it gets. What I want to do here is I want to go to an interview with, all right, brace yourselves. Before I say anything else here, I am going to say to you all, brace yourselves because, yeah. Getting in the position. Got a feeling is about to go down. Yeah, you all need a moment to prepare yourselves because I know I certainly do. 
All right, well, Simone Sanders is in charge of the festivities. Yeah, she gave the interview with them, the so-called Tennessee Three. If you don't sit your ass down, <laughs> trying to compare them to Little Rock. Man, look, you're all right. In any case, this is what they had to say. Interview since those unprecedented expulsions. And I began by asking now former Representative Justin Pearson about the devastating real life impact of unfettered access to firearms. Here's our conversation. Yeah. So glad to see they got their priorities together here. Glad to see they got their priorities together. Not expelled on Thursday. I'm just going to skip past their nonsense here at the beginning. And let's get right to the real question, because now you've got the white representative there. And she's going to be asked about why it is that she wasn't expelled. Well, you'd figure this would be a straightforward answer. But I think you'll all be amazed at how similar to her black colleagues her answer is about to be. Who were murdered due to gun violence. And it's really important that we understand this moment as a catalyst about what happened in Covenant. But there being laws that have led to this happening, and there's also been inaction. So let's talk about the expulsion. Um, Representative Johnson, by one vote, you are still a sitting member of the Tennessee State Legislature. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe you were not expelled on Thursday? Um, because of the color of my skin. So then would you say that the members, the Republican members of the Tennessee State Legislature are racist? Well, um, I would say that I was sitting in criminal justice committee discussing a bill where we were, uh, they, they would like to add the firing squad and the electric chair uh, to the methods for capital punishment. And one of the members said, I think we need to add hanging by a tree. So he called this for a hate crime. crime. This was just a few weeks ago. And we hear- She didn't get expelled. She said, because of the color of my skin. And she's asked, so are you saying that they were committing racism? And she says, well, I'll say it like this. Excuse me, that's a yes or no question. Because if she were being asked about LGBT or abortion, she wouldn't be saying, well, I can, I'll say it like this. She would have said yes. So. Member of the Tennessee State Legislature, why do you believe you were not expelled on Thursday? Um, because of the color of my skin. So then would you say that the members, the Republican members of the Tennessee State Legislature are racist? Well, um, I would say that I was sitting in criminal justice committee discussing a bill. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, just that quick. There you go. All right. There it is. There it is. Oh, I'd like to tell you that that's all of it, but it ain't. Jason, I'll be damned. You done sat here, beat them down, buried them. Yeah, I'm digging them back up again so we can bury them again because, oh, yeah, not to be outdone because they were just not going to be by any stretch of the imagination. Just in case you were under any misconceptions about what the real problem is and who the real enemy is for the black lawmakers who got kicked out, just in case you are under any misconceptions, they're here to correct you about what the real focus should be. Why do you think it was this particular, like this particular moment that moved this body to take these such extreme measures? Why was this moment different? 
an institution uh, is very difficult to change. And even in a moment of persecution, it will do what it is intended to do. And an institution that has its pillars built by white supremacy and by patriarchy will still produce a similar result, even in the persecution of the minority. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, just in case you thought it was a fluke from the previous video, just in case you thought the previous interview was a fluke, just in case you thought he, that this isn't, Jason, this ain't really one of his core positions now. You just caught him on a bad day, a bad moment. Just in case you thought it was a fluke, by the way, when you talk to him, he wants to make sure he centers the discussion firmly where he says it should be. Why was this moment different? An institution uh, is very difficult to change. And even in a moment of persecution, it will do what it is intended to do. And an institution that has its pillars built by white supremacy and by patriarchy will still produce a similar result, even in the persecution of the minority, the two youngest black lawmakers, the one of only two Democratic women in the state house. And so in this moment in time when we were all up for expulsion, race, which we're told not to talk about. Race, we were told race doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter if, if you just treat, if you, if you just act like us. So you see, he dismisses her whiteness. He ejects her whiteness when he gets asked about it. Oh, ain't no whiteness going on here. She mentioned her whiteness. He deflects around it. He dismisses it. It's because she's a female. So he doesn't want to keep the conversation on white supremacy, even though it was the white men who got rid of him. No, we need to understand that this is about white supremacy and misogyny. This is about misogyny and, and patriarchy. Yeah. So when they go grab these popsicle stick built, bean pole built dudes out here, whatnot, here's your representative and take a look at his tie. Doesn't it look like it could be a dashiki? And take a look at this afro. He's looking like something from a black exploitation flick. In other words, when they bring you these cartoon characters, See, when it comes to black folk, they want to bring you showmen and entertainment and cartoon characters. And tell you that that's who you need to get represented by. Now, for the white folk, they bring in hardcore professionals, even professional bigots, but they bring in individuals like that. But for black folk, no, you need your entertainment class. See, what you're missing are some entertainers. And if we get some entertainers up there, then you'll be good. You're battling white supremacy, and they are trying to get a record deal or a TV deal or whatever in the hell they think they're pursuing. So while everyone is talking about these things, I want to say this is an opportunity to put it in proper perspective of who the folks in particular are, because just understand, they just express to you what they see as their agenda for being there. Even in the midst of being targeted by white supremacists, they want to make sure you understand it's not about race now. It's not about race. It's about patriarchy. You know, think about it. About patriarchy. They're very good for that. They're very good for that. These folks understand what they're doing. 
Why were they brought here? You get folks, you don't know where the hell they came from. You don't know who they are. You don't know why they're there. You don't know what's going on. And they let you know real quick what they're about. They let you know real quick why it is the Democrats didn't have any problem with supporting them and bringing them there. These so-called, both of them were, quote, community activists. Both of them were community, so-called community activists. So the Democrats couldn't find a real representative to do so. They want to sit up here and here come more your community activists. Folks didn't check the paperwork, didn't check the pedigree. No, they can storm the House floor behind guns for transsexuals. A transsexual shoots up a church and they can sit up here and storm the House floor for that. But no, when it comes to black folk, we ain't storming no floors nowhere. Just like Elijah Cummings, John Fulham Bubba Lewis. Yeah, they'll, they'll sit up here and stomp the LGBT. They'll sit in the hallways for LGBTs and for non-citizens, but for black folk, they're, they're a no-show, they're AWOL, they disappear for black folk. If you all agree with that, I want you to give me the fire emoji in the chat room and hit the likes button. There's almost 5,000 people in here listening live. But we only got 1,600 likes, so I'm imagining we must have a bunch of Afro-wearing uh, Filipinos up in here. Not that I'm hating on that or anything. I'm just saying, if you are Afro wearing a Filipino, would it be a bother for you to click like? Or are we that offensive? Clearly, if we're offending you that badly, wasn't no hate. I just thought we'd take a moment to point out, by the way, he's off code as hell. If you're a dark-skinned Filipino, Pacific Islander, or whatever, by the way, this fella talking about, it's not about racial, by the way. We want to make sure you understand this is about black and brown and poor whites. So maybe apparently I have some of those up in here. The first thing that stuck out to me about these two is the fact that they are these political showmen. They're here to put on a show. They're real colorful characters. They're individuals more akin to a Hollywood movie script than reality. What they've done for black people, can't name it. What they've done for themselves certainly raised their profiles. Look for them to be trying to run for a house, a U.S. House seat or a U.S. Senate seat. Look for that next, although that's not what's going to happen. So what they do with Negroes is they raise your profile so that you can gain votes for the white establishment. See, they'll take you and do you like they did Andrew Gillum and Stacey Abrams and Gary Chambers. They'll do you like they did them. Your job will be to yell about racism, even if it's true, but your job will simply be to galvanize the white, galvanize the black vote for a white politician. Your job will be to galvanize the black vote to support white politicians. And I don't think you can have a more stark example of how true that is when you have a situation where you got three lawmakers who go onto the House floor in Tennessee. The two black ones are kicked out, the white woman, I mean, in front of the world, conspicuously. 
she's allowed to stay with no explanation for why it is she gets to stay. And when you start asking about white supremacy, people start deflecting and dancing and detouring. And even the folk who have been the target of it and whatnot, they start deflecting and detouring as well. If you're going to support them, I'm just asking a simple question. Exactly what is it you're supporting? Exactly what is it that you're supporting or that you tell yourself you are? Well, you know what? I think that is an apropos question for us to ask tonight. Therefore, the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the blackest radio program in existence, the only one of its kind in the cosmos today. And as always, you are welcome to join us. We are going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. Before we do, I want to thank everyone, everyone, and everybody who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo. Big shout out here to Reggie Morris, Price of Admission. Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate that. Chris King, Pookie Jenkins, my man Chadwick, Keith, um, and everyone else who has contributed to support tonight's program here. When we come back, we'll be taking your phone calls, including anyone in the chat room who has been instructed to call in. You are to be on the line shortly, or you will be banned shortly, whichever comes first. But since you've had so much to say, you'll now have your opportunity to go ahead and weigh in and say it. So we look forward to hearing from you. We're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. This is the Black Channel. In our motion pictures, your leading production house for handmade high-end movies for us by us. Grab your popcorn and drinks as Pinart Motion Pictures presents you with binge-worthy visual entertainment that will leave you breathless. Stream all our titles for free. Visit our website to see Noxious, Noxious 2, Cold Case, and Valley of the Queens. Planned obsolescence. These power-packed, innovative, and unforgettable flicks take the boxes of all you could ever want in a movie. And coming soon to keep you at the edge of your seat. Await our most anticipated movie release. Escape from Velocity. In our motion pictures, broadcast excellence. Look for us on Tube Amazon and wherever movies are streamed. today to experience all the benefits of ash cake and natural body butter with skin so smooth and soft with ankles for shop ash cake and almond that's a-s-h-k-i-c-k-i-n.com Brothers and sisters, my name is Joe Jackson. 
from a foundation of Black Americans and I individually like to the core of helping the family globally. The industry's been changing and I've learned a lot. But how did we get here? How do we navigate issues we face in the workplace? How can we get our house in order? Read the concepts and intricacies of being black in IT now on Amazon, as well as the best-selling guide to being black in IT. Go to beingblackinit.com. More Threads, a brand owned by a descendant of Black American freedmen, was created to uniquely address Black American history and contributions that have been intentionally hidden and suppressed. Use their apparel and more to learn and share the Black American history of Black inventions, heroes, towns, Black business districts, and more. Sign up and support not only a Black-owned business, but a movement at www.morethread.co. Hi, this is Brenda Starr, creator of Poetry with a Purpose and author of the book, Press But Not Crush. Press But Not Crush is an anthology of political poems that address current and historical issues in American descendants of slave population and African-American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African-Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. This is the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. Very glad to be with you all here this evening. And the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the Lancaster Radio Program in existence. The only one of its kinds on planet Earth today. As always, you are welcome to join us. We're talking here tonight about your Black political showman. We've gone over some of these things. And we'll be taking your phone calls here now. If you have been instructed to call in, that is not just a great idea. That is an order. So we thank you very much for joining us or for leaving us, whichever comes first. Let me get caller from area code 762. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Good evening, uh, Mr. Black. How are you, sir? What is your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Enoch. I'm going from Augusta, Georgia. I do apologize. Enoch from um, Augusta was on your mind. Yes, what I want to make my quick commentary is that these people are uh, did this nonsense just to try to take us off the focus of obtaining reparations. That's all they're trying to do, you know. And we can't be fooled by it. All right. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Let me get caller from area code 901. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where you call from? Hello? Yes, you're on live. I am what is your name? Chair Where are you calling from? I'm Timber Chair from Memphis, Tennessee. All right, Timber from Memphis. What's on your mind? I am speaking from Memphis on the Justin J. Pearson part. Where his background is, it was originally in um, protesting the Bahalia pipeline. He was successful in stopping that. He was able to stop um, with the Memphis community against pollution. He was able to also stop on uh, MLGW from having a long-term, excuse me, TVA from having a forever contract with 
MLGW, and even force um, the Tennessee Valley Authority to remove um, coal from. So he's in. So as. So he's an environment. So he's an environmentalist. Environmentalist, yes. Right. Environmentalist, yes. But when it comes to, like, and he was for like the first two years preach about um the environmental problems social justice things because some of these houses in Whitehaven were about to be taken up by eminent domain to build a pipeline whatever but whenever came but when i come around trying to propose a solution which was uh solar and hydrogen for my research and my startup business um you know the civil rights people in memphis would literally ignore me and that is you know even with uh, my background my mother's background being in media um, and even if my mom was still here, it was still fall flat because it was based on um, Essence and Ebony and whatnot. So I've been studying the new black media for the last five years. And uh, definitely this, this sounds like right, right up the alley of these guys here. Both of these fellows here have that similar pedigree about them. So these are guys who see themselves as climbers within the Democratic Party. Um, when they're yelling patriarchy before white supremacy, when they were just victims of white supremacy, and yet they're yelling about patriarchy, they're missing a very clear sign. Look, we're about the LGBT. We're about immigrants. We are about everything except fighting white supremacy. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Let me get a caller from area code 424. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Well, Jason, how you doing? This is Rashad from Houston, by way of LA. Right, Rashad from Houston, what's on your mind? This is a clear example of why we need to have uh, ourselves some 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 our own people that are running for office. I went to the um, reparations rally over in Washington D.C. and met Marshall Dixon. That was one of the things that. Uh, he talked about was the fact that we need more people on the ground running in, you know, in, in these positions. Because if you go to the website of any of these people, you um, you see all sorts of things that they advocate for. And even with the uh, half Filipino cat, I can't remember his name, Justin um, Jones. Um, Jones, yeah, thank you, J- Justin Jones. He does have an agenda on reparations, but on it it says black. And also Native American. He has all these different categories in terms of people that should get reparations, and it doesn't really have anything to do with, with, with MBA people here in America. And that's the problem with these folks. They, they confuse um, the majority of the black population. And I always tell people all the time check out the paperwork before you start advocating for them. When I, uh, when I saw both of them, that was the first thing that I actually did was, was uh, go and Look at their site. I know the Washington Post had an article that was talking about all three of them. And there was an interview that Justice Jones did with uh, Team Vote, where he actually talked about uh, reparations and he said exactly what, what I just said that reparations should be for Native Americans, Black people, uh, immigrants, all, all these other categories that have nothing to do with us. Yeah, like I say, I mean, definitely they they choose them for that reason. They choose them for that reason. They know what they're doing there. None of these people just show up out of nowhere. None of them. Biggest con job in the world is the idea that they just showed up out of nowhere. 
and they didn't. These folks are selected. They're chosen for a reason. They know what they're getting. They know what they're showing you there. And it's our job to do our due diligence. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Let me get called over here, code 267. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, uh, yes, this is Temi calling from Pennsylvania Williams Park. Um, I wanted to ask a little, well, two questions. Timmy, did you call um, me last night? So, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Timmy's not paying very much attention here. Timmy, call back next time. Call from Area Code 708. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is V okay. from Chicago. V from Chicago, what's on your mind? Well, I am a F of Chicago, and I'm, I respect your view on how you see things, and I'm curious. To, you didn't speak much on Brandon Johnson, and I would like to hear your thoughts. Okay, yeah, to, I, I, meant to focus on, I meant to focus on him a little bit more here in light of what was going on. Long story short, I mean, you got Lori Lightfoot without the white wife. I mean, apparently, champ. I mean, this, this isn't really a stand-up guy in, in that kind of way about that. It's, it's not really what he does. So, um, somebody show me his black agenda. He's at, I, I see him sitting up here smiling and cheesing. He reminds me of a darker version of Cory Cory Booker. But the real point here is okay. By the way, what does he? What is he offering to do? What is he offering to be? Other than, hey, vote for me. I am not uh, Lori Lightfoot. And I see him running around. He's pounding around with people. I mean, I guess the only good news of it is, uh, yeah. I guess the only good news is, well, Bobby Rush been on the wrong horse again. I guess that's the good okay. news of it. Well, I would, you know, I'm hoping to see if there's anything that's else. Going on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Repeat what he said. I don't see anything. I haven't seen anything that lights a fire for me. Yeah. Well, we're the same way because nobody knew anything about him. He was similar to how Lori Lightfoot entered the arena. Um, she just showed up. We didn't know her on the street, you know, and we didn't know Brandon on the street either. So, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I just appreciate. Yeah, like I said, I they're, good they're little members of little weird little uh, side committees and things. Work. I mean, y'all got folks for the school board running for mayor, which is really just kind of, and they're allowed to and everything. But other than that, you know, it's, what's the pedigree? And the pedigree apparently was, hey, we're not, uh, yeah, we're not Lori Lightfoot. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Definitely thank you for that here. Let me get a caller from area code three two three. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, good evening, big brother Jason. This is brother Elijah calling out of Jamaica, Queens. All right, brother Elijah, what's on your mind? Quick question. Um, after listening to tonight's broadcast, when you see representatives like that, do you think them um? Do you think them brothers and sisters in Tennessee at this point, are they doomed for failure all over again? That's just my question. Yes and no, because the real good news is, you know, when you have a situation where people's, you know, interests and people's attention is focused in a specific direction, that is what you want. 
that is what you want. Yes, you want that attention going there. You want people to be focused on that. You want people to, you know, I've always said that the, the moment that we are in trouble is when the white supremacists take their boots off people's necks. That's the moment that we're in trouble. The bottom line is black folk have shown the propensity that if they allow us up for a minute, as soon as the, the, the instant it looks like they're going to take the boot off your neck, we go back to saying, okay, let's pick the cotton. It goes back to that. So that's kind of what you end up with there in that regard. So unfortunately, they made it clear that we got to stay on top of that. We got to, white supremacy has got to be ever present because if it's not, Folks are going to just try to go back to sleep again. So I, I can't tell you that you can allow that to occur. You, you just can't. You just can't. And they're going to have to get more bold and more egregious with it, which is what they just did in Tennessee. They got super bold and super egregious with it. But you, you, they kind of got to be now because anything less, black folks will just start dismissing it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, thank you so much. No, because um, this is um, and then when I'm listening to them brothers um, talking um, I just hear something different. I don't hear the regular like us. I hear something different. But you know, no disrespect to them. But um, hey, this is what we gotta do. I mean, this is this is what has to happen. Be one big brother. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for giving this call tonight. Definitely, um, we'll say one thing here. I uh, will say one thing because uh, it shouldn't go without saying. I'm so glad that the brother called up here before and said, you know, when you go to their websites, what do you see? When you go to their websites, what do you see? Well, if you go to uh, Mr. Justin Jones' website there, if you go to his website, by the way, I could be bothered to go ahead and do that while I'm here with you all. Let's go to his website and let's see what he says the issues are. Now, by the way, this is from the link from his Twitter page. By the way, anybody wondering, this is this is the link that is on Justin Jones' Twitter page. VoteJustinJones.com. So if you go to his Twitter page, this is what you, you see the link to his website, and this is what it brings up. First of all, so don't sit up here and say Jason's cherry-picking anything. This is what's on the website itself. Now, when you click here at the top about issues... Well, these are the issues, as you can see. These are the issues, health care for all, environmental justice, immigrant and refugee rights, protecting public education, living wages and safe conditions, end mass incarceration. Those are the issues, in case you were wondering. I can click on it again if you'd like to see, but those are the issues. Justin's made it very clear where he stands in that regard. Just in case you were wondering what he stands for. He's a community organizer in Nashville, as you can see. You can see who they started off with, and this is all looking kind of... All right, it's looking kind of... Tetherish, but okay. Join the movement. Um, what's the movement we joining, sir? Why does he look like a young elder barge? I need answers to these questions. All right. When you talk to him, 
and you go to his website, these are the issues. And I'm looking to see where black folk falls. Brother, before we talk about reparations, you said something about reparations. I'm not even finding that on his website. These are the issues for Mr. Jones. These are the issues. Farm workers, asylum seekers, refugees, and the countless others who strengthen Tennessee. How do refugees strengthen a place? This young man apparently has never looked up the definition of the word refugee. How does a refugee strengthen a place, sir? They just say garbage. There, there is, they don't have any meaning in the English language. They're at war with the dictionary. Justin is with the majority of Americans in supporting past citizenship and ensuring Tennessee at his Tennessee is is a welcoming state. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vote for Justin. Vote for Justin. Give illegal aliens a chance. Vote for Justin. There were a couple of folks who were in the chat room trying to cake for him a little while ago. The phone lines are open. You don't see them calling up so they can go ahead and toss their hat in the ring to defend him. It's a very simple thing you could do if you could. By the way, the next time you see them bring up some colorful characters, just uh, point that out. Caller from area code 317, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? All right, this is Black. My name is Matt Grant. You're going to be now. Okay, take your phone off the speaker, whoever you are. No, it's not on the speakerphone. You are too far away from your phone. I'll give you two seconds to get closer to it, and then we're moving on. Okay, two seconds. Caller from Miracle 501. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, what's going on, Jason? This is Jay from Flint. Jay from Flint. What's on your mind? Yeah, I just wanted to go ahead and call in, man, and just, just give your admirations, man, for what you're saying, talking about today. I know by the way that these guys had definitely some either tether or LGBT energy about them because they definitely, because these were definitely all red flag, all red flags that they had set off because, and just to get your personal opinion or just a general consensus of it as a foundational black Americans in my time, we have never really had a propensity to try to withhold or to uh, diminish the, the Second Amendment rights. I've never read into a foundational Black American that ever had any real problems with the Second Amendment. Uh, with the Second Amendment of, you know, what type of uh, firearms you could actually own or any or anything like that. So it always just rubbed me wrong when anybody, when anybody who would claim to be a Black American would necessarily try to do anything about gun reform because. We're just generally not the type of people that would that would blame that's going to blame that we're going to blame the firearm over the person that did it. We know better. We know guns don't shoot themselves. Well, you the know? other so thing I've is never the other thing is anyone. our history with this. You remember that our history with this has always been that folks wanted to disarm us and make sure that we could not defend yeah. ourselves. Everyone remembers famously in California, the first and only time the NRA has been against gun rights is when we were the ones getting the right. Next thing you know, the NRA said, oh, too many guns out here now. So, yeah, our history of it has been that we understand that 
for those of us who are who have been here and are from here, and we understand that white supremacy is a real thing, that we understand that you have to be able to defend yourself against it. When they bring in these other folks, then it starts becoming, they start talking like the white supremacists. They start talking like them, which is why I was pointing out that when you ask these two fellows about what happened to them, you ask them about racism. Simone Sanders asked about racism. Chuck Todd, the white man, asked about racism. And they immediately detour and deflect into patriarchy. And Well, what about poor whites? We don't want this to become about race. So they showed you real quick that white supremacy, you have to understand, the, this is why we gotta get everybody on code about this because to the immigrant class that comes over here, they bring over a certain group that has a certain anti-black principle to them. They see white supremacy, not as something to be overthrown, but as something to get in good with. Not something to be eliminated, but something to be reformed. And we don't wanna reform white supremacy, we want to destroy it. So they get them in positions, and next thing you know, you start asking what they think, and then they start talking like the folk from where they're from. Well, you know, I mean, when you really can't understand what you're doing out here, everybody needs to give up their guns. Well, the white folk won't give up theirs. They're never going to give no, up theirs. No. They won't be required to. And when they do talk about coming to get guns, they come knocking on black doors first. As the, the gun grabber programs and the turning your gun stuff, those are always in black neighborhoods. Meanwhile, the white transsexual just shot up a whole church. Meanwhile, a bunch of other white kids just shot up an elementary school. You go to your elementary school, you might get books, you might get a bullet. And that's what's going on over there. But when they want to go grab guns, they come knock on the black doors. That's what they do. So yeah. we, we recognize a racial strategy when we see one. These other folks see themselves as helping, quote, the winning team. You got to understand in their minds, it's not racism. It's the team that's winning and the team that isn't. This is when you're dealing with the mindset of individuals who flee, individuals who run, individuals who don't take a stand, individuals who don't build. As far as they're concerned, they don't get, they have, they kind of like got a whorehouse mentality. They're going to bow down and lay down and throw their legs open for whoever they see is winning. So if it looks like you're winning right now, well, we'll parrot whatever you got to say. But if it looks like you ain't winning, well, we're gonna, by de we always default to the white side. But if it looks like you winning, we'll throw in an afro and start parroting some of your talking points. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Let me get called Mary Code 929. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? <laughs> hey, this is B1 Miracle from New York. Yo, yo, JD, you had that, you had a uh, picture with uh, Simone Sanders, right? And when I, I tuned in a little late, so I'm looking at, I, I'm looking at the picture, right? And she, she, when she, when she uh, was interviewing the white, it was the white chicken and the two, whatever the fuck, them politicians. I was like, yo, is that Dwayne the Rock Johnson? I thought that's what she looked like from from the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Call America 410. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is LT from Baltimore. LT from Baltimore. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, so I was just thinking that for us to prosper <laughs> here inside the United States, I don't see how it could be possible while we're so divided in terms of globally because 
globally the Europeans move in white supremacy. <laughs> and everywhere our people are on planet Earth, they suffer. And I don't see how us being divided so sporadically all over the planet, we can fight against the system that's globally <laughs> oppressing us. Okay, well, so far, they're very, very upset, so it seems like we're having some effect on them. You mean, we're, you said we're having an effect on them? It seems like certainly we are. You don't see that happening? I mean, I see here's the other thing. On every list, continent. Well, here's the other thing. You talk about on every continent. Here's the issue. We're focused on this continent. We don't have any power. I know, I mean... Uh, we don't have any power in Africa. Like we got power in North America. We don't have any power over Africa. If they decide they want to keep to continue doing what they're doing in Africa and the Caribbean and just white supremacy, we're here to be their whorehouse. And that what's that got to do with us, man? Where where's our power over that? How is that our responsibility to kick them into gear? Yes, I, I see what you mean. I just I just. Right. Now, when you Don't focus on think. when you focus on where we are, where we have power over things, you're seeing stuff get done here. You talk about woo around the world. Uh, we're focused on where we are right now, and where we're at right now, uh, we're making progress over here. Those other folks, maybe if they start following <laughs> our example, as opposed to saying, "Well, white supremacy ain't too bad," maybe if they stop jigabooning long enough, it'll change for them. Thank you very much for giving us a call. No, we're not, we're not worried about round the world. We ain't even talking about round the world. We're talking about where we are. So you got some folks here that want to throw their capes on. You know what I mean? What These other folks are throwing in their lot of white supremacy. They're sitting up here saying, hell, we'll be their whores. Okay, well, I'm not going along with it. We're the group that doesn't go along with white supremacy. We're the ones who resist it, which is why the Second Amendment doesn't bother us. We're the ones who resist white supremacy. The folks want to go along with it? Eh, different ideas. By the way, in case you all were wondering here, I have done you the solid of going to Justin Pearson's website. Oh, boy, I'm sure it'll get better, won't it? He's got a tab up here for the issues. Why the important issues? Well, what are the important issues for Mr. Pearson? Mr. Pearson says the important issues, as far as he's concerned, are environmental and climate justice top of the list environmental and climate justice top of the list just like his buddy over here healthcare environmental justice yeah the democrats sent the dnc committee in washington sent you yeah it'll be a black face and they'll talk about racism here and there and you'll just assume because they're dark skinned they got semi blackish hair they on the same page. Go and take a look what they're talking about. Environmental and climate justice, affordable housing, justice in aging. What the geriatric hell? Economic justice, jobs and workforce training, voting. I mean, they want to make it very clear what economic justice means. He's letting you know economic justice. Yeah, that afro is supposed to be camouflage. That afro is supposed to be camouflage. This is Justin Pearson. That afro is supposed to be camouflage. So he wanted, he's talking about justice, but jobs and workforce training. That's not the justice we talk about. We're talking about real justice. 
voting rights are hell, education equity, health care for all. Wait till you see what that one is. Poverty alleviation. Not a word about reparations, criminal justice reform, and public safety. I got a feeling all the black stuff is in here. Call me premature, but I got a feeling all his black positions are in here. Right in this one. Because, you know, all we are is a bunch of convicts getting locked up. The only thing we're concerned about is prison, don't you understand? So keeping us out of prison is the only thing we're worried about. So, oh, that economic thing? Yeah, don't worry about that. But prison, you know. I got a feeling everything he's got for black folk is right here in this drawer. Transportation and infrastructure. Okay, let's go up here. Affordable housing. What does he have in mind for affordable housing? Everybody has a right to affordable housing. Over 1,000 residents of Memphis are unhoused, many of whom are, many of who, many who are housed are facing skyrocketing <laughs> rents or they're being priced out of the communities where they have been for years. Younger people and older people on fixed incomes are being hurt the most. This is wrong. We need legislation that protects communities in District 86, especially for our older residents and veterans from these housing trends, which are being catalyzed by out-of-town investors. He does not put this in his context of race. I did in my documentary, Gentrified. He does not put it in the context of race. Justice and aging, just for spits and giggles, our elders have contributed their lives and livelihoods into building up our schools, our churches, and our communities. Too many of our older residents and elderly loved ones are not receiving the proper care to live their lives to the best of their ability due to financial constraints or familial hurdles. Familial hurdles, what does that mean? Aging neighbors deserve more than they have received, and we need good funding for our older residents to have places to gather and congregate. Old folk got plenty of places to congregate. The church, the bingo hall, Target. They stand in the damn aisles at Walmart. What is he talking about? They get on the bus for half fare. There's senior citizen discounts all over. What is he talking about? It's important to recognize that elders are raising children and supporting households, and the legislature must make sure our aging neighbors get what they need. The old folk are already getting Social Security, SSI, every supplement, I'll be damned. The young people today are already paying to supplement and take care of the old now. And he's talking about we need to give more. So he's just being a politician talking about, well, you know, the old folk need more. Vote for me. I'll take care of the old folk here who are already getting more than they need. They don't drive. They don't push the economy here, but they, they, anybody that can vote. And you know, once the old folk vote, they just vote for the same person for the rest of their lives. They don't even ask. They don't even ask what he stands for. They just vote for him for the rest of their lives. All right, economic justice. Well, I'll, by the way, you haven't heard anything about black folk yet, have you? Affordable housing, nothing about black people. Justice and aging, nothing about black people. Economic justice, can't wait to see what he has here for black folk. Can't wait to see what he has for black folk. For economic justice, yes, economic justice. We need good family-sustaining wages for the young and the underemployed adults in our community. Minimum wage jobs are wage robbery. Justin J. Pearson has worked in training and workforce development for years and understands the needs of corporations and the demands of the market. Our community needs a leader who understands how to create pathways to opportunity for the opportunity youth in our district and support upskilling for workers here and across the state who are suffering because of economic hardship. Well, That's his economic justice platform. Nothing about black folk yet. Voting rights. Oh, well, now we mentioned black people. 
There are more voting rights restrictions in our country and state than there were in the 1960s. People in positions of power are continuing to make it more difficult for people in our community to vote and to engage civically and meaningfully. In Tennessee, 21% of Black Americans cannot vote. This is not accidental. This is done legislatively, and we need a champion for justice to help change this. Remember what I said in the beginning that what the Democrats do is they grab some black faces and tell them, hey, you ain't going to deliver nothing to these niggas except the ability to vote. We want you to go out there and deliver the black vote. That's all you do. You're not here to win any substantive office. You're not here to get any big seats and chairs. Your job is merely to galvanize the black vote so that that black vote will come vote for some white politicians. Remember, I said that at the very beginning. Well, what do you know? His very website is substantiating exactly what I said. The only time he mentioned black folks so far is, by the way, we need to get more black folk who can vote. Well, who are they going to vote for? Why are you going to vote for me and my afro? Did I call it or did I call it? The same old game being played over and over again. You all need to understand the rules that I'm laying down for you. He's sitting here telling you, we need to galvanize that black vote. When I mentioned Andrew Gillum and Gary Chambers and Stacey Abrams, the game plan is still running, folks. This isn't new. This is standard procedure now. Get a black politician, tell him to go talk to the young folk, galvanize that black vote, boot his ass out of office. And the black folk that he brought in will continue voting Democrats even after the Democrats and their Republican buddies have removed him. Stacey Abrams is not running for governor, but all the black folk that she recruited and, and registered to vote, they will still be voting in elections. And they'll just be like livings or like horses with blinders on following the programming they were originally given. They'll just keep voting Democrats, even though the, the black Democrat who brought them in and recruited them isn't even on the ballot anymore. Equity, ed education, equity, funding our schools, please. Health care for all. Well, I wonder what this is. Health care is a human right. Tennessee has refused to expand Medicaid, which has left many people vulnerable and one incident away from being further entrenched into poverty. No medical emergency should lead to poverty. Our legislature and leaders must be dedicated to protecting the health of children and the elderly, most especially. Okay, he's worried about children and the elderly. Children and the elderly. Got it. Protect the kids and the elderly. Glad he's got a uh, firm platform here. Wait a minute, what's this? It is also important that we protect protect reproductive rights. Well, everybody's got the right to reproduce, sir. What do you want to do? Right now, the Tennessee legislature has some of the most restrictive laws on reproductive health. So Tennessee doesn't want folks to reproduce. This must be changed to allow for women, especially those who are victims of sexual violence, to be protected. Oh, he wants to stop you from reproducing. Oh, okay, we got it now. Justin Pearson wants to protect you from reproduction. You're like, hey, y'all reproducing too much. We need Tennessee to make sure that you don't reproduce as much. Yeah, we, we're, his, his healthcare platform, his healthcare platform is get rid of the babies. Hey, let's save plenty of lives, kill the kids. Yeah. Poverty alleviation. Well. I'm sure that there's something in here for black folk, correct? Over 30% of the children in Memphis are living in poverty. In our community, we are facing some of the highest rates of poverty and instability caused by unaffordable housing, lack of transportation, community violence, and illness in the state. 
While many leaders speak about poverty, few have pushed to dedicate millions of dollars of resources for impoverished communities to deal with the underlying root causes. This campaign is dedicated to making sure that poorer communities are prioritized in every piece of funding legislation passed in Nashville. Memphis provides a significant portion of the state of Tennessee's annual budget. We need to see that investment back in our community. Not a word about black people. Not a word. Oh, criminal justice reform and public safety. Now, why do I got a feeling that when we pop open this drawer, black folk don't show up all of a sudden? Why do I got a feeling that's going to happen? In Nashville, I vowed to advocate for safer streets a fairer criminal legal system, and social support such as education and employment opportunities to help prevent and reduce crime in our city. Memphians should not have to choose between public safety and equitable treatment from the criminal legal system. While crime has plagued our city, Shelby County's investment in policing, 38% of our 2023 budget, is among the highest rates for cities of our size. Black Tennesseans, oh... As I said, I had a feeling that he, he's focused his concern for black folk here on the jail part, but all of a sudden he's figured out where black people are. Black Tennesseans make up 17% of our state's population, yet 44% of Tennessee's prison population. I pledge to advocate for a different approach. Instead of investing in punitive measures to incarcerate people, as state representative, I will call for investments in proven methods, such as alternatives to incarceration for low-level offenses and diversion programs to curb recidivism and reduce the number of Memphians incarcerated. Black and brown people are incarcerated, by the way. Did you notice here before? Now, he didn't say black and brown up here when he talked about the proportion of the state's population versus the prison population. You notice he didn't say black and brown up here. Hey, Justin Pearson, I noticed you didn't pull that black and brown card when you were going over the stats up there before. I noticed you only mentioned black people. By the way, you all notice I've detailed this for you over the years. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, all these, Joe Biden, all these folks, when they talk about the subject, they'll mention how black people are being affected at the beginning. Then they swerve when it's time to talk about the resources and what you're going to do about it. When they talk about the problem, they only mention black people. Yeah, because we're the only ones being affected. But when they talk about it now, here's when the resources come in. All of a sudden, it turns from black to black and brown, black and minority, black and colored people, black and disproportionately affected, black and. That's when, when you get to the resources part, then you start seeing the word and getting bootstrapped to black. So he says black and brown people are incarcerated and policed at a disproportionate rate, and those and these injustices have a long-lasting impact. For example, one in five system-impacted black people in Tennessee have lost the right to vote. Hey, didn't he just mention black and brown? Now, he just mentioned black and brown, but he don't want to say nothing about brown anymore. Could it be because their Democrat handlers have told them, well, you know, we want to get all these illegal aliens in here, so don't mention anything about brown as a negative. Say that brown people are being negatively affected, but don't come up with stats against them. When you drop the stats, only drop them against black folk. That's what you do. One in five system-impacted black people in Tennessee have lost the right to vote. 
I will advocate for policies that will ensure that victims are heard during the criminal justice process. I will also advocate for diversion and restorative justice programming that will give people who commit offenses a chance to take responsibility and be held accountable for their actions. There isn't one way to prevent crime or reduce incarceration in Memphis. We must invest in a variety of comprehensive strategies to ensure we are addressing the root of the problem. Did I call it or did I call it? No wonder they're sitting there on Meet the Press talking about patriarchy. No wonder they're sitting there on Meet the Press talking about it's not about racism. It's not just about race. No wonder they're sitting there doing that. They bring on these cartoon characters dressed up like a Mattel doll. Here for the purposes of entertaining. I don't consider baiting and switching to be very damn entertaining. That's not entertaining to me. Caller from Air Code 773, you're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What's going on, Jason? This is Julian from Chicago. Yeah, um, I know you were talking about Brandon Johnson earlier. Um, well, um, you know, the thing is with Brandon Johnson and um, uh, Paul Bellas, I didn't vote for either one of them because I looked at the uh, policies and they plans, and like you said, and like you were going through on your program, that they didn't um, say anything about black people and include black people or doing anything for black people. So me, knowing what's going on, I, po I even posted on my Facebook page, like, you know, black people usually go for symbolism. They love symbolism. So, you know, as Brandon Johnson is elected mayor, mayor or whatever, black people on Facebook and social media is posting his picture with his family and um, everybody just in all of his family, like, oh, he has a beautiful family, which he does. And I put up the same picture, and I said, yeah, bro got a beautiful family, but what is he going to do for black people? What, the, what, is, what legislation is he going to pass for black people? What is benefits he's going to have for black people on the south side and the west side of Chicago? And you know what happened? Even my own family came out on me, on, on my own Facebook page, telling me that I'm attacking the man. I'm to the center. I'm like, and I posted, I also posted his plan. And I said, he talked to me, he brought up LGBT uh, communities twice. He brought up immigrants. He didn't bring up black people for nothing. And then I tell them, you know, that, that my family, like I said, even my family, they don't comment on nothing else. If I'm putting something positive with black people or anything, they don't comment on nothing else. But when I post him and talk about what he's doing, now I got black people, including family, telling me that, uh, uh, you know, you're attacking the man. You, you're bringing up uh, things in Texas. He's not the uh, mayor of just black people. He's the mayor of Chicago using the same talking points that they was using uh, with Obama, you know what I'm saying, with Brandon uh, Johnson. So it's like... Well, you know, there's something to think about. I want y'all to start being a little more critical when you're talking to some of your, some of your family and friends who are expressing those kinds of contrarian views. They have these like cult-like contrarian views. I want y'all to start asking some different questions. Y'all need to start either asking some questions or start jogging your memory to see if there's something you remember. Well, Jason, what are you talking about? It's been my experience that when you have folks, Black folks in these areas, they keep having these kinds of bullheaded, stubborn responses to incontrovertible evidence. 
Y'all need to start asking or questioning some LGBT tendencies in your families. I know this can be difficult. Some of y'all need to start asking yourselves some questions about some sexual behaviors. Somebody didn't touch them. Something happened. Jog your memory. So I'm just going to tell y'all right now, coonery and that kind of stubbornness kind of goes hand in hand. Now, you're from Chicago. Well, I'm going to give you a perspective from around the country, although you're probably aware of it here. Back in the 90s, when we started talking about Atlanta as the black mecca, remember, we talked about two of them. We talked about Atlanta and Chicago. Starting back in the 90s, we were talking about the two black meccas, Atlanta and Chicago. Because everybody talks about outcasts and whatnot, but remember R. Kelly and them up there were tearing it up coming out of Chicago. So Chicago really established itself in the 90s as a well-known black hub, and it still is today, as evidenced by your mayor. It still is today. But we also understood that eh, there was some, because Atlanta had a reputation for Freaknik for doing a bunch of stuff, and Chicago kind of picked up that reputation, especially where a lot of that LGBT, it became one of the LGBT type cities. Right along the rise of Atlanta was the rise in Chicago. So what I'm saying is that if it seems like some of the folk y'all run into are just absolutely bullheaded, stubborn, will not move on these things and they're single issue people. Brother, it's either because they're incredibly stupid and they don't see the same thing that you see, or it's because they do see the same thing that you see, but they're being deceptive about it. That they see this politician you talking about, and yet they don't have the same problem with them that you do. Does it has it ever struck some of y'all up there that maybe some of these folks are kind of scared? They're talking like they're kind of scared to tell you what the real reason is they support these folks is. What's the real reason that you're supporting these people so diligently, so slavishly, so vehemently that you are willing to go to war against your family for this? What are they advocating that you are that invested in? And a lot of black folks don't like to ask that question. That can be a tough one. Yeah, By the way, I want to back that up. Not just in relations, associations. If you start going back, you start seeing this ain't new. This has been a long-standing thing. This is old. This been here for a minute. If we were to be totally honest about it. So in places like Chicago, Atlanta, D.C., New York, L.A., you start noticing your family, Houston, you start noticing certain family members and certain friends and relations sit up here and they just real hard-headed. They're just real dogmatic and stubborn when it comes to certain politicians on certain issues. And you're sitting up here pointing out the problem and they all of a sudden they start dismissing it. I suggest to you and I submit to you all tonight, it's a hard pill to swallow. Y'all got some deviance in your families and some deviance at your churches and some deviance in your friends and relations. And they've been real low key and real good at hiding it from you. Or maybe you just didn't want to see it. It's the other thing. It might be just, hey, I'm not really trying to look that. I didn't want, I wasn't that skeptical of them. I advise all of you that when you start running into that type of stubbornness, that type of supposed irrational stubbornness, Start asking yourselves some questions. By the way, did somebody do something? Have they been doing something? Please keep in mind, I gotta remind you all. You remember the study I told you all about a decade ago? 
at least 25% of your black girls who go to these colleges have had a same-sex encounter. You know the get down in Chicago. You know what the sororities in Atlanta. Y'all know the get down across the board. And that's at least 25%. Although those of us who are a little more skeptical, we put that number in probably closer to 50. Have your girls going off into these schools, sororities, a lot of these jobs and employers. Next thing you know, they've had some type of same-sex experience, even if it just means kissing or feeling on another female or getting felt on another female and not saying nothing. Next thing you know, Lori Lightfoot. Next thing you know, I want you all to start being a lot more skeptical when you're giving somebody logical facts and data and then they're pushing back with a bunch of emotion. It's like, wait a minute, just support them. Did you just hear what I just said? And they're just sitting there supporting it and not giving a clear logical answer as to why. I'm telling you, they do. I suspect they do have a logical answer why. They just don't want to tell you. I'll let you have the last word. Yes, sir. Um, now that you say that, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, dig more because one of the people I'm talking about, yeah, her, her, her daughter is part of that community now that you said that. And who uh, and who groomed so them? Now, who raised them? Who raised them? Y'all got to start yeah. looking at the, the tree, not just the fruit it bears. Y'all got to start looking at them trees. I advise yeah, all of so you, do you yourselves said. a favor. You have not done due diligence in your family until you have talked to all of your aunts and uncles and cousins and the relatives down the block. Talk to the folk who grew up with your parents, grew up with your auntie with the little gay daughter, grew up with your uncle. Go talk to some of them and just drop a question here or there. I promise you, at some point, somebody gonna be like, okay, the little kids done grew up enough to start asking this. They gonna, they gonna drop a little game and a little knowledge on you. It's like, who hell? Then you start realizing, oh, back in the 70s, my uncle was, was laying up with a bunch of white women. No wonder we can't get him to go against Joe Biden. Back in the 70s, my uncle had a little Asian girlfriend. She was the only one who came over here from Korea. And she was just trying to get along how she get along. And you ain't been able to get him to go against immigrants ever since. She turned him out. Back in the 70s or back in the 80s, your auntie had some white dude at the job who was feeling on the butt cheeks. And ever since then, she's been bedwinching on the low. She talks black, but every time it comes to fighting racism and white supremacy, she, she's never been a white man whose racism bothered her. She's, she's always had smoke for black men, but she's she never been a white man whose racism really set her off. She never really had a problem with that. And then you start, if you dig into it, and you start seeing that kind of thing. Oh, that makes sense. She got into bed with him and she came out confused. And she's been running around confused ever since. And she's talking to you every type of crazy there is. Now, if she sits up here and tells you, well, there was John Voight back in the 80s then it would all come together for you. But you see, she understands she can't go back to him. So she's sitting over here amongst you, brain screwed up and confused and psychopathic and sitting amongst you being a black face and a black helper of white supremacy. 
and you got that all over the damn place. Lori Lightfoot didn't just drop off a banana boat. I mean, she did, but she didn't just come out of nowhere. That is created and cultivated. And Black folk have not been doing enough of an inventory in ourselves to start asking, not is there a Lori Lightfoot, but is there a class of people like Lori Lightfoot? Now you're going to start looking at your institutions differently, your HBCUs, your churches, your civic organizations, your sororities. Now you're going to start looking at all of those differently. Oh, yeah, the family reunion. Because everybody wants to talk about that one uncle, that one cousin. You better start looking at your aunties and your nieces and, and, as well. You better start looking at them. When you start running into that irrational stubbornness, that you've shown them a white supremacist with incontrovertible evidence, and they're like, you need to support him anyway. You show them some Negro who's sitting up here collaborating, but you need to support him anyway. Even though you've shown them their anti-black tendencies, there's something more important than blackness. Let me tell y'all right now, to folks who have been turned out and corrupted, their sexuality matters to them more than blackness. I've taught you all this for over a decade. For individuals who have been molested, sexually turned out, had some frantic experience, or they just identify with that, understand something. Their sexuality matters to them more than blackness does. More. Much more. They are completely unconcerned with blackness if it interferes with the expression of their sexuality because their entire value of their self-worth and their being is wrapped up in it. And you're sitting there saying, but we're in a system of white supremacy. We're not in a system of sexuality. But they become divorced from that. So as far as they're concerned, they're trying to pressure you into protecting their sexual preferences or their sexual experiences. And you're like, but our survival is at stake. As far as they're concerned, if they don't have their sexuality, they don't care about surviving. No, I mean that literally. They do not have their sexuality. They don't care about surviving. Can I say this? Can I say it? My obsessive folk, better go ahead and say it. Folks, how do you think STDs spread so readily? Oh, I said it. How do you all think STDs spread so readily among certain <clears throat> communities? that don't engage in opposite sexual relations. Why do you think it spreads so readily with them having all this information? Here you are 40 years after AIDS came, they're, they're still doing the same damn thing. Now, how the hell can you have so many people generation after generation walking into the same damn meat grinder? Hey, they folks dying over there. You be quiet, let me do as I please. You're like, I'll be damned. Folks are dying over there. Now, you have to understand, it doesn't affect you. So you're like, okay, well, go do your thing. But remember, that guy still walking over there, the females still walking over there, that mentality they carry, they're going to bring it back over here when it's time to vote. They are willing to risk their lives and die over there for their sexual proclivities. They're going to bring that stubbornness and irrationality and obsession back over here when it's time to vote on something that does matter to you. Now they want to bring their sickness back over here to you. It's all fun and games when they're over there by themselves. Now they're over here saying, you know, who needs, you know, 
reparations, who needs that? My, my, the, the, the white dude who turned me out doesn't like reparations. Why do we need reparations? I mean, if reparations is going to get in the way of my interracial sexual access, damn reparations. See, you got, and, and Chicago was very good for this. Like I said, Chicago, they say Chicago is the most segregated city in America. I, I, I'm from Louisiana, and I can definitely tell you um, Chicago is right up there with anything I've ever seen. It really, really is. One side of the street is black, the other side of the street is something else. So in, think about this. In a case like Chicago, you literally can cross the street and be on the other side of town. So when you talk about your relatives who go off experimenting and adventuring in, in other parts of town, y'all got to think about it in those regards. They're going a couple of blocks down, and you know they're crossing them invisible boundaries. You know they are. What are they doing over there? Now, you know when your black folk is talking about going to a part of town that black folk don't go to in Chicago. So the question is, what is he doing over there? What is she doing over there? What are they doing with them? With your folks over there in that part of town that they're willing to risk life and limb to keep going over there? What are they doing back there? I submit to you that when they start arguing with you over these things, now you're finding out what they were doing. Now, they're not going to admit it to you straight up. Now, you get somebody else to drop the dime and throw a little bit of information that you shouldn't have, then they'll break down and admit it. But you just confront them straight out, usually they're not going to just give it up like that. But you let somebody give you a little bit of information, tell them, ask them about uh, Susie Wong back in, in, in 84. Then they'll drop the dime. Then they'll drop the dime. Till then, just watch out for folk talking to you crazy. That's the marker you're looking for. Behavior. They're just talking crazy. Hey, I showed you white supremacy. You're not worried about that? You're talking about LG? What's wrong with you? Why does that matter to you so much that you're overlooking racism and white supremacy? Did something happen to you? Thank you very much for giving us a call. Over a decade ago, I, I created the phrase that I keep using to this day. You got to watch out for these old niggas. It was ultra controversial back when I first said it. I still say it today. I've never backed down off of it to the young people out there. These old niggas lied to y'all. These old niggas was back in the 60s, the 60s and the 70s, snorting cocaine with their white girlfriends. Damn it, did I say it? My last night on YouTube, might as well go out with a bang. They gonna shut me down after this one, might as well go out with a bang. Yo, Uncle Rollo was chasing white women back in the 70s. There was plenty of cocaine being loaded up. She had to bring it. They were out sexually experimenting when they, uh, they uh, gave their daughters a pass and said so they can go ahead and go sexual experiments. They can get it out of their systems. She came back as Sarah Palin. But back in the 60s and 70s, your uncles and your aunties, your uncles, you snorting the cocaine at Woodstock and your aunties letting the white men fill them up at Club 54, Studio 54, and all the others. 
See, they're not telling you the truth about where they've been and what they were doing. Why it is that you're, you're seeing the same thing they see, and yet they treating it real, real soft-handed. They're treating it with real kid gloves. But when you talk about racism, they take the damn kid gloves off and it's bare knuckle. So with white society, they got the real kid gloves on. But with you, I'll be damned. They draw down and go bare knuckle on you. It's like, well, I'll be damned. If you talk to the white folks the way you talk to me, we can have this white supremacy thing knocked out. You all need to recognize a lot of your so-called elders are collaborators. A lot of your elders are collaborators. They're not letting you know where they've been and what they've done because the political tides have changed and they know it. They see you listening to Jason Black. They see the music you listen to, the movies you watch. They see the websites you go to. They know you ain't with that. They know you are not feeling it at all. They know they can't talk to you like that. They know you ain't coolified. We're not speaking to you. They know as soon as they open that up, you're going to draw down on them. They know who they can do that cool stuff with, and they know who they better not say a word of it to. So that's why I am ripping the cover off of them and telling you what you need to know. You don't need to talk to your parents. Somebody, go, they're going to try to cover it up. They know what areas not to go into. You need to start looking at some of these scrapbooks. You need to start looking at some of these high school and college yearbooks. You need to start talking to your aunts and uncles and some of these folk in the neighborhood who grew up with them when they were your age. So they can tell you what they were out here doing and how they were moving in these streets when they were your age. And you're going to hear some things you thought you'd never hear because these folks made sure to never breathe a word about it. How many of y'all want to find out that Joe Mama was laying up with some scraggly ass Jack Black looking white man? Oh, hell, I say it. I said it. You want to mess around and find out that she was doing some stuff you wasn't even thinking about? It's like, I'll be damned. Then she going to break down and tell you, well, it was just one time back in 88. No, I'm talking about your mama. Not somebody else's. I'm talking about yours right now. You listen to me right now. I'm talking about your mama. Getting flip-flopped and turned out by meatloaf. I'm talking about her. And now she won't breathe a word about it. You talk about white supremacy. She start easing the subject on something else. Y'all better start asking some different questions. Call Miracle 347. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, hi, Jason. This is Ian from Blakesley, Pennsylvania, um, by way of Patterson, New Jersey. Hi, Blakesley. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, um, excellent broadcast as, as usual. I had a quick question for you. Do you think there would have been a greater impact if Gloria Johnson would have said, if you were to get rid of my colleagues, then you might as well just throw me out as well? you think that would have had a better uh, impact to show solidarity now i know she's a white woman but you was keeping you was you was issuing a statement so 
I want to get you on. Yeah, so well, she, she was never going to voluntarily do that herself. So if she did say such a uh-huh. thing, it would have been merely symbolic. She wasn't going to do that herself because she can do it right now if she wants to. So I would just tell you, yeah. I, I don't think that mm-hmm. would even occur. I don't think it would even occur. They'd be No, they were here to send a message. They were here to send a very clear message. The message is, you niggas is going too far with it. So I get the racial point of it. What I'm saying is, you want my support? Don't sit up here and tell me to come show up, and then I show up, and you start talking about the issue isn't white supremacy. The issue is white supremacy and patriarchy and people of colors and poor whites. Whoa, whoa! It was the poor whites yeah. who it was the poor whites who did this to you. Mm-hmm. While you're mm-hmm. telling me it's about people of color and poor whites, it was the poor whites who did this to you. What the hell kind of suicide pact are you trying to get me to sign with you? Because I ain't signing. That's a suicide pact, brother. That's a suicide pact. You all got to understand a bunch of these dudes. Oh, I'm going to say it. We're community activists. You show me one community activist that the Democratic Party has um, elevated who didn't have a history of laying up with white women. I'll wait. I'll wait. They bring you these little crazy ass looking dope fiend built, scrawny ass bean pole, olive oil built community activists and whatnot. All of them look the damn same. All of them look the same. These niggas are so skinny you can see they knobby knees. All of, where the hell they buy these suits at? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What the hell store? I know the big and tall store. Just a brief aside. I know the big and tall store. Where are these niggas buy their suits at? The, 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 the little skinny store? Where, where, where's that store at? Alright, never mind. I'm just curious, but by the way, where they buy these suits at? But regardless, you show me one who doesn't have a history of that. Show me one. Show me one. Now, here they are to sell that to us. So these fellas are willing to die for this. We got to ask ourselves, are we willing to die with them? Because I'm not. Not for that. There are things I'm willing to die for. This ain't one of them. Yeah, indeed, I agree with you with that. One, I agree with you on it because I had put out a couple of posts on um, various uh, white news networks and said that same thing. It would have been a greater impact if I would have saw Miss Johnson take that stance and do all that. But you know, we know the grace of God. You know, she passed with that one vote, so she was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you you liberal. Oh, I'm sorry, my colleague." I'm going to pray for you. You know, she did one of those numbers, and I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, damn. He dropped the ball. I bet you was riding with the brothers. <laughs> Give them a minute, brother. They, they will reveal themselves. You all ask the right questions. Uh, start, stop treating these people like they're friendly. Start asking some Start asking some incisive questions. And then with the things they weren't expecting, throw it the ball. They're going to drop the ball at some point. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Let me get called from Eric Code 708. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Sean Chicago. Sean Chicago, what's on your mind? I was calling because the the um politicians on the threes, one missing the pig, the other one missing the TP, and then you got the dude in the suit that's re, re, rejoicing. But on top of that, I don't start with none of the politicians because we need to be an advocate of our own situation. Like the politicians keep talking about the same rebuttals, what we need to do, but really they focus on the homeless people that's living on the street that 
out there 24 7 and getting burnt and fiery out here in chicago getting burnt up and then you got the um lbgt community they keep talking about that but they talk about how you go to the state-run clinic and they see you in the bathroom to swipe yourself for stds on your own which means it ain't accurate because you could be swiping the toilet in there so they need to be talking about more important things that relate to the people period Thank you very much for giving us a call here. So I mentioned Andrew Gillum in the chat room. Y'all remember Andrew Gillum was, Andrew Gillum maintained that he wasn't gay right up until, what, a year or two ago? Andrew Gillum, I'm not gay. I mean, just because you found me on the floor and then you white man doing drugs and had photographs and everything, just because that, 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 that don't mean I'm gay. Remember, Andrew Gillum was very, very adamant about that. Very adamant. Now imagine that that's your uncle and imagine that nobody got pictures of him. Imagine that. Imagine that that's your uncle and nobody got pictures of him. He's sitting there telling the whole damn family. He's telling the whole damn family. What you mean? No, I ain't. Call America 703. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello? Yes, you're on live. Put the crack pipe down. What is your name? Where are you calling from? Did you say 703? I said hang up the phone. All right. I'm going to let her get back to doing her drugs and doing her lines. In any case, like I say here, folks, start asking more questions. Jason, where you stand on this? Well, I did my, I checked the paperwork. I did the paperwork check. Let me go ahead and run the paperwork right quick. We got to run a paperwork check and see if your paperwork comes back clean or if the paperwork comes back dirty. The paperwork came back dirty. The paperwork came back dirty. So here's my position on it. If white supremacy ain't bothering them, it's not bothering me. Not for them, it isn't. If white supremacy attacking them isn't the single most and only important issue, then guess what? It doesn't bother me either. It don't bother me either. If white supremacy isn't the singular focus that they got, it's not going to be a singular focus for me. Don't ask me to hop any hurdles and jump any pews and stand in front of any tanks. I can't do it. You told us white supremacy is not an issue. White supremacy is not an issue. Not at all. Okay. There you go. You can hold that. You can hold that. To my black folks in Tennessee, for the folks who do understand, y'all, let me see if we can be clear. I can't warn black people in Tennessee. Black folk in Tennessee already know what's going down. My documentary film, Race War, when I talked to Joe Brown right there in Memphis, they know what's going down. They know what's going down and they know what it is. So I don't have to tap them on the shoulder and get them ready for it and get them understanding. Black folk in Tennessee from Memphis to Nashville already know what the deal is. It's your black political class trying to convince you that's not really what you do. That's not really what you do. 
is patriarchy. It's environmentalism. We need to worry about the immigrants. Well, then, in that case, you can worry about yourself, then. Don't expect us to come crashing for you. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here tonight. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat. Thank you very much for your support. To Zachariah and everybody else here, um, Tom Slick, JRS1, and everyone else who's contributed to support tonight's program, thank you very much for your support. If you are new here to the Black Channel, welcome to the Haven of Intelligent Black Thought. We do this every weekend. Click that red subscribe button. Click that yellow notification bell. Join us each and every time that we're here. If you haven't been to our website, blackchannelfilms.com, you want to go and check out our groundbreaking, best-selling documentary work, 7 a.m., Gentrified, Race War, Gentrified, which starts off talking about Nashville, Tennessee, when nobody else was speaking about it. I've been ahead of the game for years. You can get caught up now if you're not aware of it. Go to blackchannelfilms.com. That is blackchannelfilms.com. I want to thank all of you for joining us here tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in live or recorded. Thank you for liking and sharing. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of The Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, The Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters from around the world, remember, Black is the future and the future is uncompromising.